It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Go Birds Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Elliot Shore Parks here with a solo episode of the Go Birds Pod. Sadly, no James Seltzer today, but it's a happy reason because in case you've been living under a rock, the Phillies are going to the World Series, and our guy... Our guy, James Seltzer, has been absolutely dominating it with the High Hopes pod. He's doing Phillies coverage. He's with Jack Fritz, also our guy. Kind of a hater because he doesn't like the Go Birds name, but still our guy. So very happy for not only the Phillies, but for James and Jack as well, who are absolutely dominating it. But as a result, I'm doing a solo pod today because I wanted to come to you guys with something that's really been on my mind during this Phillies run. I tweeted out after they won, after they won the NL last night uh, in advance of the World Series that this is the most memorable or this is the most fun playoff run I can remember watching as a Philly sports like fan media member whatever like this is this is it uh, and I thought about the 0-1 run by the Sixers which will probably always be my favorite just because of the age but they were they were the one seed and then I thought about the Eagles. The 2017 Eagles. That is the one I think the most people tweeted me about. That's the one I think compares the most to it. And when I sat down to think about it even more, because if you follow me on Twitter and you, and you listen to the pod, you know I am prone to tweeting things in the moment and watching them celebrate the fact that they were going to the World Series the way they want it. It just, to me, felt like the most enjoyable out-of-nowhere playoff run that I had seen really in my Philly sports lifetime, like that, that I can remember. Uh, yeah, I wasn't around for the 80s, for the, the runs in the 80s, and there really wasn't many runs in the 90s overall from the four teams, but I wasn't really around for those either. So from 2000 on, this run right now by this Phillies team really feels like the most memorable, fun, just pure joy kind of playoff run. But let's compare it to the 2017 Eagles because the more that I thought about it, the more similarities I saw between the two. And when I sat down to actually like write it out, it's kind of eerie how crazy the similarities really are. So 
let's get into it. If you remember the Eagles that year, they went in potentially thinking they could make the playoffs. They were coming off of 2016 where they had almost made it. They started 3-1. and one. They were in it kind of until the end. They, they finished 7-9, and nine, but you felt like they were building to something, right? Like you felt like 2017 with Carson's second year, Doug's second year, uh, you felt like they had a real chance to, to make the postseason. They ended it on a high note. And then you think about this, this Phillies team. They uh, were competitive, at least you know somewhat for the playoffs the year before. They go out the offseason. They add Schwarber. They add Castellanos, right? Like they go and they add players. And looking back at the Eagles, they added Alshon Jeffrey, right? Not as big money signings, but they added LeGarrette Blunt, Chris Long, like all these guys. So there was reasons going into this Philly season to think that they as well were going to finally break the streak and get into the uh, playoffs. And then you look at the postseason run. Obviously, the Phillies made the playoffs, as did the Eagles that year. The Eagles were the one seed, right? Even after Carson's injury, they they remained the one seed. They were not the favorites going in, which ties into the Phillies. The Phillies going into this postseason run were viewed as the worst team on many power rankings in the NL, like heading into the postseason. They were underdogs against the Cardinals. Even after beating the Cardinals, the Phillies, according to ESPN, were only given a 4.9% chance to win the World Series. So even after sweeping the Cardinals, they were still only at less than 5% to win the whole thing. And that ties into the whole Eagles um, underdog mantra. If you remember, and I'm sure you do, obviously, Underdog was a huge part of that playoff run. They were underdog against the Falcons. They were underdogs against the Vikings. They were underdogs in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. The underdog mask, their Super Bowl rings have the underdog in it on the inside. So clearly they embraced the whole underdog thing, which is crazy because they were the one seed. And I guess in some ways that makes the run not... it. Not that it wasn't expected because they were the number one seed. But when you take into account that they were underdogs, I do think clearly the run came a little bit out of nowhere with Nick Foles at uh, at quarterback. So what I did was I went, and this is kind of what like a loser I am with how much time I have. I went and I said, which player on which team reminds me uh, of, the, of the Phillies-Eagles crossover, right? So like, which player is Jason Kelsey? Which player is Nick Foles? Who's Brandon Graham? Who's the Malcolm Jenkins of this Phillies team? And, and here's what I came up with. All right, so we're going to start with kind of a disappointing one. But who is Nelson Aguilar? Like to me, Nick Castellanos is Nelson Aguilar. Now, Nick Castellanos didn't have the regular season that Nelson Aguilar had, obviously. Nelson Aguilar in 2017, coming off of two back-to-back disappointing seasons, and he really had that kind of breakout year in 2017. It uh, saved his career in a lot of ways. Like When you consider the fact that he's still playing, still getting new contracts, that 2017 team saved his season. That that, that saved his career that season did. Uh, Nick Castellanos is Nelson Aguilar to me. If you think about it, Castellanos, disappointing year overall, has made a few big plays in the postseason. You think about the catch versus the Braves to uh, help clinch that win. Um, We'll get into some more specific plays, but had a big hit against the uh, Padres in game four. So he's like Aguilar in the way that Right now, I think when fans look at Castellanos, and they still did do this with Aguilar, but when fans look at Castellanos, they feel and see disappointment right now, and I think that's what compares him to Aguilar, because Aguilar, you know, obviously with the drops and everything, was never really a fan favorite. Castellanos, I think there's a little more of a connection there, like he had some good quotes when he was uh, signed, and he's still relatively new, but I think if you're going to say, like, who was the Aguilar, uh, I think it's Nick Castellanos. 
So who's Malcolm Jenkins? Who's like the leader of the team? Um, kind of, I don't want to say specialty because Malcolm did a lot. But if you think about Malcolm as a safety, he's not a lineman. He's not a quarterback. He's not a, a you know, a defensive end, right? Like safety is a bit of a role player type position. Kyle Schwarber is Malcolm Jenkins. Kyle Schwarber, from what it seems on the outside looking in, is the heartbeat of that locker room. He picked the Dancing on My Own song. By the way, Dancing on My Own, another similarity between the two teams. The Eagles had dreams and nightmares. Phillies have Dancing on My Own. Kyle Schwarber brings in the Dancing on My Own. He's clearly the leader. You would read seasons early in the year about how post-game he would hand out, you know, essentially an award to whoever was the best player of the game that night. And Malcolm was the leader of that team. I mean, some of Malcolm's post-game, or I should say pre-game huddle breakdowns are like legendary, like almost up there with Brian Dawkins in terms of how legendary those speeches were. You think about his talk, his uh, preseason, uh, sorry, his pre-game huddle against the Minnesota Vikings, that clip, like talking about how the team will never be the same and this is their moment and getting up in the rafters. Like, I still get chills thinking about that video. Kyle Schwarber is that is that Malcolm Jenkins, right? Kyle Schwarber's obviously had big hits, 46 home runs in the regular season. And then Malcolm Jenkins had big postseason plays too. You think about his big hit, right? His big hit on Brandon Cooks. So I think Kyle Schwarber and Malcolm Jenkins will be comparable in, when you're comparing teams. All right, who's Brandon Graham? Brandon Graham, um, you know, not the best start to his career, has never really been like, an elite, elite defensive end, but has always been really good, has always been solid, and then in that postseason, made big plays. Obviously, the strip sack of Tom Brady is clearly one of the biggest plays in Philly's in uh, Philly sports history. So I think Brandon Graham is Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola came out. Uh, he came out when he was drafted. He was supposed to be originally, if you think about it, I think he was viewed as like a number three in the rotation, but he pitched well enough where you're like, okay, that can be this team's ace. And Brandon Graham, when he was first drafted as a top 15 pick was, okay, this can be a difference making defensive end. Aaron Nola was supposed to be that guy and was for a season or two. And then he had that drop off, right? Kind of like Brandon Graham did. Both of their careers have been roller coasters, started high, dipped down low, and then went back up. And you see Nola's career going very much up right now. You think about the uh, start he had against Houston um, at the end of the regular season to clinch the playoffs. You think about his postseason performance against the Cardinals, against the Braves. Didn't have as good of an outing against the Padres. But I think the similarities there are 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 extremely huge. Like I look at it and I say, okay, Brandon Graham's a guy that has been here with the Eagles the longest. Aaron Nola has been here the longest. You could go with Reese Hoskins potentially, but I think that Nola is more, had higher expectations. So I think Nola is Brandon Graham and Brandon Graham for this Phillies postseason run is Aaron Nola. All right. Zach Wheeler. This this was a tough one. I felt like I had to do Zach Wheeler because he's been such a huge part of it. He's their ace. And who who did I go with? I went with Alshon Jeffrey because I think you look at Wheeler, he was a free agent acquisition, right? He was not a homegrown Philly player. He was brought in for a very specific reason to be a top of the rotation pitcher. It's something the Phillies have struggled with. So he was filling a need that they had been looking for for a while. Alshon Jeffrey came in. This team had really struggled with receivers. And look, even after Alshon really struggled for a few years as well until right now. But Alshon came in. 
and he was huge in the postseason. You think about his super, his touchdown catch in the Super Bowl, his touchdown catch in the uh, in the NFC Championship game against the Vikings. You think about some of the big catches he made with Nick Foles once Nick Foles got in. Zach Wheeler to me come, comes in and it's obviously been awesome in the postseason. He was awesome in their clinching game against the Padres. He was awesome against the Cardinals. He was awesome against the Braves. Like he's been everything the Phillies hoped he would be in the postseason. And that's what Alshon was that year. Alshon was a number one type receiver that year in, in, in the playoff run. So I think Zach Wheeler is Alshon Jeffrey. Okay. Nick Foles. This one's really tough because I think the obvious one you would go to is Bryce Harper, right? Quarterback, uh, number one player on the Phillies. I like. I think that's the obvious connection. For me, though, I think Nick Foles is Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins, homegrown guy, Nick Foles, drafted by the Eagles initially before he left and came back. But also, I think with Reese, there was like, a, okay, he's good, but he's not it. Like Reese can do certain things, but he's not the answer at first base. And with Nick Foles, that was kind of it too. Nick was, all right, he was good in, you know, 2013 with Chip and he showed some signs in 2012, but he's not really the guy. Like he's not actually the guy. And then going into the postseason, I think a lot of people obviously had questions about Nick being the quarterback going into that 2017 run. And I think going into this Phillies postseason run, a lot of people had questions about Reese, right? Like not only his defense, like obviously, but outside of that, just the fact that he is an inconsistent hitter and he, he did have obviously some really bad numbers at points in this postseason. But then you think about the big hits, the big home runs, obviously against the Padres, the bat spike against the Braves. Those That's like the Nick Foles out of nowhere run. Like you're like, oh my God, out of nowhere, Reese Hoskins has become one of the best, the best power hitters in the postseason. Nick Foles out of nowhere became one of the best quarterbacks in that playoff run. Like you think about that image of the NF of the final weekend before the Super Bowl, and it's Tom Brady, Blake Bortles, Nick Foles, and Case Keenum. Right, like Nick Foles wasn't supposed to be in that picture, and obviously, clearly, neither was Bortles or uh, or Keenum. But ultimately, Nick Foles turned into something that postseason that he had not been. That's what Reese is doing. Reese, homegrown guy, making huge hits, huge home runs, epic moments that we're always going to remember in this city. That's why I think Nick Foles is actually Reese Hoskins. All right, who's Bryce Harper? To me, it's Jason Kelsey. Now, it's not a perfect apples to apples comparison because obviously Harper impacts the game at a way larger level than Jason Kelsey does. Not that Kelsey doesn't impact the game. Clearly that offensive line was huge that year and getting them to the Super Bowl. He's the one of the captains, like very much a big reason why they won the Super Bowl. But Bryce is more of a quarterback in that way. But the reason I think they're comparable and why I think Jason Kelsey is Bryce Harper is because when you look back at like all-time Philly sports legends, Jason Kelsey is on that list. Bryce Harper is now on that list. Like he's probably already up there. And I'm thinking about this as I say it, but Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, like those have always been for me, like the guys, like the Phillies guys. I know that clearly older people will point to, you know, other older players, obviously Schmidt, Carlton, those type of guys. But for me, when I think of the Phillies, I think of those three. Now I think Harper is on that list. And when I think of the Eagles, and when I think fans think of the Eagles, no matter what generation you are, Kelsey is on that list. So Kelsey doesn't have, you know, a home run in the bottom of the eighth to send him the World Series, but Kelsey does and is have have the status of Philadelphia sports legend. Like that's what Kelsey is. And now after this postseason, 
That's what Harper is. And also, Kelsey is a borderline Hall of Fame player. I think he deserves to get in. Harper is a Hall of Fame player. So when you talk about all the players we just talked about on this list, Aguilar, Malcolm, Brandon Graham, Jeffrey, uh, Alshon, Nick Foles, like they're not going to, obviously, they're not going to the Hall of Fame. Bryce Harper is going to the Hall of Fame, and I think Kelsey is probably the closest thing the Eagles have. Fletcher's maybe in the discussion, but I think Kelsey is the closest thing they had, as long as actually Zach Ertz too. But Kelsey is the best one, I think, in terms of all-time talents on that roster, and that's what Bryce is. All right, the next thing I did was, and again, Kristen's away this week for work. James is on Philly's duty. I have so much free time. The Eagles are on a bye week. So this is what I took my time to do. I took individual plays from the Phillies and Eagles postseason run and compared them. And really what made me think about it was just like, you know, the check swing against the Padres. Like certain moments, if they don't go the right way, it completely ruins a postseason run. And I think the Phillies have had a lot of those, but they've also had those big impact type moments. So, all right. Let's try to take this a little bit in chronological order with the uh, with the Eagles run, and it'll bounce around a little bit with the Phillies. So the Keanu Neal dropped interception against the Falcons. End of the first half should have been picked off. Bounces off his knees into the hand of into the hands of Torrey Smith. The Eagles get a field goal before the half. They pull within a point, and I thought it was a big momentum swing for me, just in terms of like a lucky bounce. It's the Castellanos bounce off the bag versus San Diego in game four. Castellanos hits it right up the middle. Probably should be an out. It hits the bag, and instead of bouncing to the left to the Padres defender, uh, it bounces to the right, and he gets a hit, and it obviously ends up being a huge play. So one of those plays where it's just a lucky bounce, and the Eagles got one on their run. To win a title, you need lucky bounces. Like Brandon Graham strip sack, all-time great play. The fact it bounced right to Derek Barnett, like that's complete luck, but that's what you need when you win a, win a title. So I think the Keanu Neal interception, the dropped interception off his knee, is the Nick Castellanos bounce off the bag versus San Diego. So what's the other big play from that Falcons game? The Julio drop, right? If he go, if he catches that ball, it's over. The Eagles lose. They don't score a lot in the playoffs. We don't remember Nick Foles the same way. They don't go on that Super Bowl run. So the Julio drop, it's he he dropped it like he didn't come down with it. So it's not really a play the Eagles made. But for me, the comparison is the Gene Segura hit in the ninth versus the Cardinals. They're down two nothing going in to that inning. It feels like all right. They lose game one. The bats were really bad. Like this is kind of what you expected. And the Eagles game up until that point was kind of what you expected. Foles wasn't that great. The offense wasn't scoring. But at the end, they pulled out a win almost out of nowhere. Like if you remember when the Falcons were snapping that ball and they were driving, it seemed like the Eagles were going to lose that game. When the Phillies went into the top of the ninth against the Cardinals, like down 2-0, it seemed like they were going to lose that game. Jeans hit to, to, I believe it was to tie the game, if I'm not mistaken, or to give them the lead. That was the moment, right? Like that was the moment where it was like, okay, they're going to go on a bit of a run here. And that was the moment that saved their postseason run at the very beginning. So the Julio drop to me is Gene's hit in the ninth versus St. Louis. All right, so the Eagles beat the Falcons. They go on to uh, take on the Vikings. What's the first memorable play from that Vikings game? The Patrick Robinson interception. People that were at the link say it's the hardest and the loudest the link has ever been. It's the you know most it's ever shaken. For me... It's the Reese bat spike versus the Braves. I know that was game three, so a little later in the series. But they're up one nothing. It's the bottom of the third. Like When he hit that home run and he spikes that bat, that was like, okay, 
here we go. Like this team, that is the moment. That is like everyone's going crazy. It's in Philadelphia, right? They hadn't been home yet in Philly for a playoff game because they'd been on the road in Atlanta and on the road versus the Cardinals. So that's the similar comparison. Like the Citizens Bank Park going absolutely wild. Patrick Robinson interception ties the game versus the Vikings 7-7. to The link is going absolutely wild. It was the momentum kind of shift they needed. The Phillies were coming off of a loss against the Braves, right? Like at this point, you're still thinking the Braves have a chance to win this series. Certainly you don't think the Phillies are going to end up winning it 3-1. to But this win, uh, this home run is a moment. It puts them up. It gives them momentum. And from there on out, they just absolutely smoke the Braves, which really is what happened with the Patrick Robinson interception as well. All right. The JT Romuto in the park home run. To me, this is the flea flicker. This is the Foles flea flicker. Um, I just think that you obviously a bit of a trick play. Real Muto uh, in the park home run, not something you see very often. Flea flickers, not something you see very often in terms of success rate. Like I can't tell you how many times I've watched flea flickers in the NFL and the quarterback just runs or throws it like way over the head of the guy who wasn't even open. The fact that flea flicker worked is absolutely crazy. And then Real Muto... In the park home run, like I think he was either the first or second catcher to do it in the history of the postseason. So an unbelievably unpredictable and unlikely play. I think the flea flicker versus Minnesota is the real Muto in the park home run. All right. The Marsh three-run home run versus Atlanta. To me, this is the LeGarrette Blunt 11-yard touchdown run versus the Vikings. It puts the Eagles up 14-7. to It's their first lead of the game. Marsh's home run, it's 0-0 in the fourth Three-run home run gives them the—I'm sorry, it was game four, bottom of the second. The three-run home run gives them the uh, gives them the lead. And look, the play itself, like obviously, was huge, and, and both were huge. But to me, the reason that home run is the Legarrette Blunt touchdown is because what these two teams have in common is they are getting plays, big plays from role players. Legarrette Blunt was a small acquisition in the offseason. Marsh was a small acquisition at the trade deadline. They both turned into huge acquisitions. Blunt obviously had a huge year. Marsh wasn't with the team the whole season. But even when you watch the postgame celebrations, Marsh is a huge part of this team. And he's played outstanding defense in center field. He's always right under the ball. For so many years, we watched Philly center fielders get poor reads on, on pop flies to center field. Marsh always does the job. Garrett Blunt, incredibly consistent in the run game, helped carry that running game and became a huge part of the personality of the locker room as well. I remember how close those running backs were. How what a big part of postgame celebrations of Garrett Blunt was. His 11-yard touchdown against the Vikings gave them the 14-7 lead, and I think that's what the Marsh home run versus Atlanta is. All right. The Hoskins two-run home run versus San Diego. To me, that's the Torrey Smith third down catch to open the game in the Super Bowl. When people talk about the Super Bowl, there's so many memorable plays. I think one that gets overlooked is opening drive of the game. The Eagles have the ball. Torrey Smith catches a third and I think it was 10 plus, maybe like third and 12. Torrey Smith catches that ball almost off his helmet, gets the drive going. The Eagles score on the opening drive, gives them that confidence. And I think that had they gone three and out, obviously it's the first game, uh, it's the first series of the game. I'm not saying they would have like lost the game, but I think getting confidence back, like getting confidence of, okay, it's third and long. This isn't going great. Oh, wait, now we have a fresh set of downs. Here we go. We're on the move. Hoskins two run home run when they were down four, nothing in game four, 
So the Phillies give up four runs in the top of the first. Hoskins come back, comes back, hits that two-run home run versus the Padres to bring it to four to two. I thought that was a very similar play. The Phillies, when you go down four nothing, you're like, all right, maybe this isn't their night. You know, maybe the bubble did pop. Like maybe this is going to be a loss for them. That two-run home run was a bit of a, okay, we have the momentum back. Like, we can get back from this 4 nothing deficit. Hoskins again with a big moment. So I think those are comparable moments in terms of you start to maybe think, oh, this isn't great, and then they come back and they make a big play. Another Hoskins moment coming up. The Zach Ertz fourth down catch in the game-winning drive in the Super Bowl. I think you could look at the game-winning touchdown, which is obviously a huge play. But that fourth down catch by Zach Ertz, where Foles is drifting back, he throws it. Zach Ertz uh, obviously brings it in, stretches out for the first down. Like, that's a game-changer. That's a season-saver. That's a title-winning play. If they don't get that, that first down, the Patriots probably win that game. Hoskins home run versus the Padres to tie it 6-6 six to six in Game 4. They're down 6-4 to four at this point. It's late. They had came back to tie it, and then the Padres take the lead again. Take the lead again, and you're starting to think, okay, maybe this isn't their night. And again, just like he did early in the game, Hoskins home run to tie it 6-6. Six to six. Like, that was a, a series-saving hit. That was the momentum they need. It helps lead them to the win that puts them up 3-1, to one, where you really feel, okay, they're going to win this series. Teams don't blow 3-1 to one series. The Phillies have made enough plays that, that make you think they're not going to do it either. The Zacherts fourth down catch underrated, is not is not talked about a ton. The Hoskins home run to tie it 6-6 probably won't end up in like the top five plays of the postseason, but I think it was incredibly important in helping them uh, beat the Padres. Okay, what is the Philly special? Now, there has been not, no World Series yet, so clearly these could change, but I'm too excited and I'm too bored not to say which is the Philly special. It's Bedlam at the bank, like Scott Fransky said. It's Bryce's home run versus the Padres. Bottom of the eighth, Philly's losing. He hits the home run. They're winning. They go on to obviously uh, end it in the ninth. They go and they clinch the NL to go to the World Series. Bedlam at the bank. Like, Scott Fransky is the GOAT. Another comparison, Merrill Reese, Scott Fransky, two GOATs. Bedlam at the bank is the name. Like, there's going to be double doink, Philly special. Bedlam at the bank. When I'm 50, right, when I'm old, when I'm talking on the radio or whatever, I'm going to say Bedlam at the bank, and I want people to remember that Bryce home run. Like, that's the play. Like, big-time play players making big-time plays in big moments. I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, if Schwarber hits that home run, clearly it's a memorable home run. If Hoskins does it, if anybody does it, it's a big home run. The fact that it was Bryce... The fact that Bryce hit that home run to send the Phillies to the World Series is unbelievable. Like, what a, what a moment in Philly sports. And that's the Philly special. Two words. You say Philly special to anybody, you know exactly what they mean. In the city, but also out of the city. Bedlam at the bank. Like, that's what that play needs to be known as. And when I think of that home run... It's just unbelievable that he did it. Simply unbelievable. It's unbelievable that Doug Peterson called that play, or Nick Foles called it, in that moment, and they pulled it off. It's a moment where after the play, you're going, what did I just, like, what did I just watch? What did, how did this just happen? When Bryce hit that home run, you look at, obviously, this is my lack of baseball terminology showing, he clearly, right, he swings, and initially you're like, I didn't think it was gone. Like the the camera sticks on Bryce, so they don't show the ball. The ball itself didn't look like it was going to go, but Bryce just standing there 
and watching it, and then it goes a few rows out. I thought Bryce's trot around was like pretty subdued considering what he had just did. If you think about the Philly special, how calm Nick Foles kind of stayed. Obviously, they celebrated after the touchdown, but that's what I remember about that team. Like they were calm in big moments, and Bryce just like casually trotting around, and then he's in the, the dugout and he goes, Wow, I just did that. Like that's that's the Philly special. So the Bryce home run versus the Padres is the Philly special. So here we are. The Phillies are going to the World Series. And it's funny, like, even the opponent they're facing in the World Series is very similar to the Patriots. The Eagles went into that the Super Bowl against the Patriots as four and a half point underdogs, which is wild looking back. Like, had I been into gambling, had I been using the Bet Parks app all the time, I would have that would have been such an easy bet. Like they were going to win that game. The Phillies enter the series versus Houston. I checked the Bet Parks app this morning. They're underdogs, plus 138, so not a heavy underdog at all, but they are underdogs. And the Patriots and the Astros are comparable. The Patriots, obviously a dynasty under Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. The Astros, just like the Patriots, have been winning. They've won 100 plus games in four of the last six seasons. This, four of the last six seasons. This will be their fourth World Series in the last six seasons. They've only won one of them, which is a difference clearly between the Patriots, who won a lot of Super Bowls. But these are two dynasties that the, that Philly teams are going up against. But also they're cheaters. The Patriots, known as cheaters, right? Spygate, deflate gate, all those things. The Astros, sign stealing, right? Banging on the trash can, all those things. So here we are again, 2017, underdog Philly team against a cheating dynasty. 2022, underdog Philly team against a cheating dynasty. So here we go. I can't wait to continue to listen to James Seltzer and Jack Fritz on the High Hopes pod talk about it. It's going to be an incredible ride. We will continue to do Eagles talk here. Clearly, they're coming back. They have a very winnable game against the Steelers coming up. So there will be more episodes this week. There will be more Eagles talk. But just like James is losing my voice, I've been losing mine over the last few days. But I could not I could not not record a Go Birds today. Like, I couldn't. It's been too long. And the comparisons between these two runs are too similar. So if you're still listening at this point, you are a certified real one, an auto-downloader. I'm learning how hard it is now for James to do the majority of the talking and the leading on these pods, and I appreciate him even more than I, I did before. But everybody, go out there, enjoy the Phillies runs, go listen to the High Hopes pod, Go follow James. Go follow Jack. It's going to be an unbelievable next week, week and a half. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And there will be more Go Birds pods later in the week. He's Elliot. I'm James. Talk to you guys later.